Welcome to the Present Centered Life Podcast. In every episode, we talk about how to live your day-to-day life centered around the presence of God and the person of Jesus. We hope today's episode will stir up hunger for God in you. Hello and welcome to our third episode in this series, Living on Living a Presence Centered Life. And we've been going over various keys to living a presence centered life. And I'm Hazen Stevens, along with my co-host. Hey, I'm Hannah Stevens. And we are really excited today to bring you our third key to living a presence-centered life here on the Present Centered Life podcast. So the third key is hunger. And we've talked about general principles in the first episode, what it means to live a presence-centered life. In the last episode, we discussed what it means to live in constant conversation with God. And today we want to talk about how hunger draws us into living a presence-centered life. You want to stay till the very end. We're going to pray a prayer of blessing and impartation at the conclusion of this episode. And we are ready to dive right in. And Hannah, would you be willing to open with a quick prayer for us? Sure. Lord, I thank you for the invitation that is here before us to apply our our hunger and our faith in the pursuit of you. And we just invite you to move even in the midst of this time and that you give us understanding from your word and and clarity and that we'd even sense personal invitations of how we can pursue you with all of our heart. Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a powerful verse that is the first verse that I think of when I think of the topic of spiritual hunger. And we find it in Luke chapter 11, verse 9, and it's immediately after Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, and then he teaches a parable, and I may come to the parable later, but he teaches a parable about how if you have a friend coming on a long journey and they are in need of uh, bread, you would go to your neighbor and ask on their behalf. And the point that Jesus makes in that parable is that insistence and persistence is very important when it comes to the things of prayer. And so in the same way, he's reemphasizing that same point in verse 9 regarding prayer and the things of God by saying, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. In verse 11, he says, Which of you fathers, if a son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so there is a lot of powerful wisdom in this passage on how to cultivate spiritual hunger, and how to gain more of God. But I think before you can even appreciate Scripture's instruction on how we grow in God and gain more in God, we have to recognize that we don't receive everything all at once when we become a Christian. I think a lot of people will think that, okay, I'm born again, now 
yes, there's growing in knowing God, but does that mean I've I've received all the spiritual gifts that I could possibly receive? Does that mean I have all the uh, everything that I could have? Have I received it at the moment that I'm born again? And I think that's an interesting question. It's really where I want to start the conversation today because before you recognize your lack, we have to see from Scripture that that even is a, a true thing that you can be a Christian, but have varying degrees of experience with God and that our hunger impacts that degree to which we live in God's presence and and really receive from God in our inner person. So Hannah, I want to ask you that question. When did you first really come to realize that your hunger directly impacted how much of God you experienced? I think it started once I began pursuing knowing the Holy Spirit as a member of the Trinity and the gifts of the Spirit and, you know, reading passages in the scriptures where Paul's exhorting like to earnestly desire certain spiritual gifts Mm -hmm. and this idea that just because I don't, I see something others, someone else has in God doesn't mean that it's not for me if it's something that I haven't participated in, but it could actually be an invitation to begin to ask for that from God and the scriptures, like I mentioned, you know, suggest that that is part of what friendship with God is, is as we see things they that stir our hearts that seem like, seem like places where we can grow in intimacy with the Lord, that we're not you know, disqualified from it just because it's not something we have at the moment of salvation but that as we're being sanctified in the faith, as we're pursuing God and coming to understand the scriptures in a deeper experiential way, that there's more grace, that there is more um, participation that we can have in the life of God as we seek him and as we ask. I think that that is a great answer. And I'm thinking of even two passages where we see Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray, and we see him instructing them to ask for the Holy Spirit. And I go, okay, show me in Scripture where Paul or the, the uh, disciples actually do this. And Ephesians 3.16, Paul actually prays for the Ephesians, I pray that out of his glorious riches he would strengthen you with power through his Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, in your inner being. So that tells me that Paul is praying this for believers in Ephesus, and he's praying that the degree of power that they experience in God would actually be internal power to live righteously. The word here is also dunamis power, which can mean miracle working power to do the wonders and works of God. And he's going, I pray that there would be power in your inner man, dunamis power, same word we get dynamite from, the explosive power of God, that it would strengthen you inner, your inner person, And he's really believing that the degree of power they've experienced would increase because of the prayer that he's praying. And so we see there exactly what you're talking about. You see something in others and you realize there's a place or an opportunity of growth for me and not thinking that just because someone else has it, it's only for them, but really allowing the, the maturity you see in God or the anointing or the gifts of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit to provoke us to actually ask for more of God. Because whether it's the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it's still the same person that both come from. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the believer. And then the other verse that uh, really emphasizes 
how we can ask for more of God is Ephesians 1, 17. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So there's a growing in revelation and wisdom when we ask for the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of truth, the one that teaches us, takes of what is the Father's and what is of Jesus and gives it to us. And so we, we have the experience, growing experience of revelation, the growing experience of power, and we see Paul asking for both in Ephesus. Thoughts yeah. on that? I think, yeah, those are great scriptures that speak to that. And as I think about even the opening parable you shared with us about, you know, the neighbor who's knocking on the door of his house to get bread in the middle of the night and how persistence just because the door isn't open the first time doesn't mean that it's not available to you and the role of persistence and determination in in the as we're seeking and asking God for things and what I'm struck by is that I think a good gauge for our hunger to know like am I hungry for God is how we respond when things aren't easy mm. and when there is roadblocks or impasses like how do we what is our reaction do we continue to ask do we continue to trust that god your heart is good do we continue to believe this is what your word says and until i see it i'm not going to rest and if that i think should de- denotes like yes there is hunger that's even god given within us to seek these things there's a great word that I that I like. It's a good vocabulary word. And it, the word is importunity. Importunity, which means to urgently persist. And I think that that's a great word. We want to ask of God with importunity, with urgent persistence. And going back to, in this Luke 11 passage, the parable that Jesus uses to teach about prayer, one of the other things that I think is provoking is a lot of times in the pursuit of greater hunger and to live a presence-centered life, we tend to think about the benefits that come to our life when we choose to live that way. But in the parable, the man's not asking persistently for bread for himself. He's asking persistently for bread on behalf of another who doesn't have the, the relationship or the ability with the neighbor who has bread to gain it for themselves. And so this idea is that our spiritual growth and our hunger is not only for our own blessing and benefit, but it's actually for the sake of others that we would hunger and grow spiritually, that we would gain from God so that we can have something to give to a hurting, broken, and lost world around us. And that's something I've definitely experienced in my journey is seeing the brokenness in others can be the place where someone needs deliverance or needs healing or needs a revelation of God's heart. And, and that, can catalyze me to come and ask for God uh, for bread. And we see bread consistently being a metaphor in scripture, even Jesus, when he rebukes Satan, when Satan tempts him to take stones and turn them into bread. Jesus' response said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so there's this idea that we, we get our portion as we ask of our Father and then certainly later on when Jesus gives the example, says you have a good Father in heaven, when you ask fit for physical bread, and he goes, how much more will you get the Holy Spirit when you ask him? So just trusting that as we ask for God. Now, I think there's another part that when we ask for God, he's eager to give it to us. And so this idea, ask, seek, knock. I'm curious, Hannah, if there's any aspect of those three phrases 
that stand out to you, or even that passage in general, just what it, what does it mean to ask of our Father and trust that He would give to us the Holy Spirit? Thanks for that, Hazen. As you're sharing, I'm hearing a few points I want to draw out. First of all, we ask God things. We ask God for things for our sakes. We also, as this parable shows, we ask God for things for the sake of others. And then I also believe that there's a third, you know, a third parameter of where we actually ask God things for the sake of God and for what we're wanting for him. And I just wanted to kind of say, like, to me, it seems like these are three ways our hunger can be expressed. I know with my own journey of getting freedom from a lifelong struggle with anger, my motivation to go to God for healing and, and freedom in that space wasn't even for my own sake. And I couldn't even find it for God's own sake, knowing that, that it was right and true for me to not be under a spirit of anger. But in that situation, I found the, the hunger and motivation to change for my family's sake because I was seeing the results of my own brokenness that was in their life. And in doing that, I found the hunger to, to go to God in a, in a new way that was not going to give up until I got the freedom I needed because I wanted to be able to offer love to my family. It's really beautiful, Hannah, and thank you for sharing that part of our story so vulnerably. I want to draw out the third one because I feel like people understand what it means to be hungry for their own sake. They desire more in God. They desire to experience more of His presence, more of, of the abundant life that He offers. Certainly, in your example just now, for the sake of our families and our loved ones and the people around us, but what does it mean to hunger for God's sake, to actually want to grow in God so that we can offer something back to Him of value? Well, for me, this, are you asking me? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> the scripture that comes to my mind is in Psalm 42. And bear with me as I pull it up. I didn't have it. Where it says, verse 7, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. And in this deep that calls to deep, I think that's such a beautiful image of we have our God's spirit within us that is groaning and longing for redemption, for fullness, and it's crawling out to the deep in God. And in Corinthians, it talks about how the Spirit searches the deep things of God. And with the Holy Spirit within us, we're able to share in this almost, it is supernatural, it's otherworldly, where the Spirit of God within us is crying out for the fulfillment of all that God has promised and all that He is. And to me, that speaks of hungering for God for God's sake. What do you think about that? I think that there is a longing for God. It says in, I believe it's James, it says the spirit yearns jealously for us. And so there's this this hunger and this jealousy within the heart of God where he wants communion with us as much as we want, even greater than we want communion with him. And so when when we talk about hunger, there's our hunger for God, but there's also God's hunger for us. And when we tap into, I think that's what you're referring to when you say 
the deep in him calls to the deep in us and, and vice versa, that there's a mutual longing and desire. And when we touch that place, we actually get to offer God something from our hearts of desire and hunger, but we also get to experience his longing and desire for us. And in Romans 8, you know, it describes this idea that you're talking about, that all of creation is groaning at the pains of childbirth up to the present time. It's verse 22. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. So this idea that there's a glorious moment where we're going to enter into the fullness at the resurrection of the dead, but that creation is groaning and longing and aching, hungering. I think you can appropriately put the word hungering there, that there's an inward hungering for the fullness of redemption that is coming. And that ultimately that is, uh, in verse 26, that's expressed in prayer. In the same way, it says, the Spirit who is groaning along with creation for deliverance from the bondage of sinfulness and that ultimate redemption. It says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit, uh, searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with God's will. So in that passage, you see the Spirit of God inspiring prayer for the fullness of redemption. We're in agreement with God and we're groaning inwardly with the Spirit, hungering, crying out for the fullness of God's kingdom to come. That simple idea in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth yeah, that's good. as it is in heaven, that we can actually have a hungering and a longing for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in doing so, we can trust in the promise that's in Matthew 5 of blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or for things that align with God and his heart for they will be satisfied and even in the unmet side when we're before we're stepping into either the promises we're asking him for the answered prayers the revelation of God that we need or more holy wholeness or freedom in our own hearts like when we're on the waiting and groaning longing side it's just incredible to me that we can have hope that if we continue to hunger, there will be a day of satisfaction. And I think that's what keeps me coming to him, even when things are hard or there have been years of waiting for things that I feel like God's invited me to believe in, is that he will come through in the end. The faith to actually enter into the pain of hunger. You know, if you've ever Mm, been extremely hungry, it's not a comfortable feeling. And there's a, a great Hebrew word that we find in Jeremiah 33, 3. And it was the Lord giving an invitation to Jeremiah for intercession that Jeremiah would actually call out to God and he would see the prophetic judgment and ultimately the prophetic redemption of Israel. That's the context. But in Jeremiah 33, 3, he says to Jeremiah, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. And that word, that Hebrew word for call to me is actually kara. It's the same word that would be used to describe an infant's cry to a mother when it's hungry or in distress. And so there is a certain pain that you have to embrace in hunger that propels you into greater things in God. So I want to tie, as we wrap up this session what you were describing, ultimate redemption, and then we experience the gap, the lack, where we are, the spirit, Romans 8, Mm. 
cause us to groan inwardly for the fullness. Yeah. There's an invitation for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness to be dissatisfied in the absence of righteousness and a measure of satisfaction as we experience the righteousness, joy, and peace that comes with living in the kingdom of God and in the presence of God. And so that's the, the reality that we're describing. How does it tie to the actual experience of God's presence? Not just the general realities of the kingdom and hunger and thirsting for righteousness, but as we're talking about living a presence-centered life, one where you're daily living in deep communion with God. Can you connect the dots between how you experience God's presence in prayer, worship, or like Brother Lawrence describes it, in everyday activities and this idea of hunger, just to put a very fine point on the, the topic of living a presence-centered life. Do you have any thoughts on that? I certainly do. I'll share them in just a moment. Yeah, well, I think the starting point for even asking that question is having a right perspective of where you are with the Lord in terms of our, how you are experiencing His presence in a given day and how how well you've cultivated the practice of abiding and communing with his spirit. And once you have a sense of where you are, I think then the next question is, what's the, what is the next more that you have for me, God? And beginning to let your own hunger be stirred of what, where, you ha- where you are is a gift and a blessing. But really there, there is that invitation of there's always more and not that we want to grab in on our own like kids at a candy store, but really to let the Holy Spirit guide us into what those next steps of seeking Him could look like. I love that. So what you're saying is the process of growing in communion with God and experiencing His presence and hungering specifically for that aspect of your relationship with God, it really begins in, in recognizing where you are presently and then what the next step is for you in growth, in prayer, in worship, in that daily communion. And so just to even name and identify a few places where people might find themselves, some people, it may be a normative thing for you to experience the presence of God throughout your day to hear his voice. It may be a thing where you have long periods of time, long seasons where you experience the unbroken presence of God. I would say in my experience, that's a relatively rare thing in most people's Christian lives. There tends to be more an intermittent experience of God's voice and presence. Um, But that doesn't mean what you might experience in worship or what you might experience in profound moments of prayer isn't meant to be available to us throughout other times uh, of our day and our life. And really, what what we're talking about when we're talking about living a present-centered life is learning to take what our experience is with maybe within our prayer closet or the corporate prayer gathering and to make all of life an expression of prayer and communion with God. And there is no way to get there without the hunger that we are describing. So I think that's a good piece of advice. So for those listening right now, as we prepare to wrap up and pray, I want you to consider where are you in terms of your experience of God's presence? What does it look like moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, Is it fairly consistent? Is it intermittent? Is it a rare thing for you to experience God's presence or his voice in your day? Wherever you might find yourself, I want to challenge you that there is, without question, there is more for you. There's more revelation. There's more experience of God's power and presence. I want to encourage you as we close this time to take up Ephesians 1.17 and pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to fill the eyes of your heart with light. For you to pray for 
Ephesians 3.16, that you would know the love of Christ that passes all knowledge. You'd be strengthened by his spirit in your inner man, that you would know him more and that you would know his love more. And so, God, we pray that right now, Lord, that wherever people find themselves, Lord, that they would grow in hungering and thirsting for your righteousness, that they would ask, seek, and knock, desiring your presence, Lord, that we would ask for the Holy Spirit and that you would release it to us in a greater measure, greater measure of the spirit of truth, of grace. Lord, a greater measure of the spirit of prayer, Lord, where we don't know how to pray, Lord, we, we ask, Father, that you would spur hunger on in our hearts, that we would karah, that we would cry out for you as, a, as you instructed Jeremiah to cry out in desperation and that we would be pained, Lord, where we encounter the distinct difference between what your word promises us and what we experience, Lord, and that we would do that not just for our own sake but for your sake and for the sake of others, that you would find a dwelling place, people prepared to be a dwelling place for you, longing to commune with you, yearning, jealously, hungering in a greater measure, Lord, day by day for a deeper fellowship with you, Lord. We want to know you. We want to be with you. And we know that that's what you want for us. You want to be known by us. You want to be with us. You want us to be, you say our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you want to fill these temples with glory, Lord. So we ask you to do that in Jesus' name. And I thank you for your promise, Lord, that those who hunger will be filled. And like the psalmist David says, that we can remain confident, that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And we do trust you, God, in the waiting and the unmet places where we're still believing for you to take us to this next step in the places we're asking we believe you. We trust you, God. Lord, I pray for an impartation, God, of, for those who are hearing, God, for strength to persevere, for importunity to not give up, to continue asking, to continue seeking, to continue knocking until the door is open. Release grace to persevere, God, and stir up hunger within us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 